Hello and welcome to Unframed, conversations about the arts on CFCR 90.5 FM in Saskatoon and streaming live around the world at cfcr.ca. I'm your host, Michael Peterson, and for the first time in a few weeks, we have my co-host with me, Alejandro. Hi, good evening. I'm glad you're back, Alejandro. Thank you for having me again. (laughs) Of course. Before we get to our guest, just a reminder that we're in F emphasis here at CFCR, so we are asking for your donations. We rely on them to fund our shows, and we have a number of rewards for those who do donate. Alejandro, maybe you can explain a bit more of what people can expect to receive. Oh, there's a lot of tallies. You can donate $10 and you receive a tax credit and also a limited edition of a community radio of the charts magnet. There's very cool, it's a nice design. For $25 or more, you enter into the grand prize. It's the draw number one, and you can choose a CD or a gift certificate from a prize list. For $75, you receive a tax credit, and also you enter into the grand prize draws one and two, and you also receive a limited edition of CFCR of the charts, FM FESIS t-shirt, and you get to choose one of more prizes of the fabulous prize list. And if you are more interested in supporting even more, you can donate $150 and that will enter you into the grand prize draws one, two, and three to receive a limited edition CFCR five panel hat. And of course, an of the charts FM faces t-shirt and more CDs gift certificate. And if you are really, really interested to support uh, our programs and CFCR, you can donate for $250 entering the four grand prize draws and also in addition to all of the items in the previous levels. We have with us today Kate Francis, who is a local artist and printmaker. Mm-hmm. Kate recently completed her MFA at NASCAD in Halifax, if I'm getting that mm-hmm. correct. Kate and I actually went to school here at the U of S, did our printmaking degrees, I think, one year apart here, and then each took a few years off bet- between undergrad and graduate school. So yeah. thanks for coming on the show today, Kate. Oh, you're very welcome. Glad to be here. Yes, welcome, Kate. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> if you can start off maybe by telling us a bit about what that transition was like moving from the undergrad here at the U of S to moving really, well, clear across the country over to Nova Scotia and the school there. I guess for me, I always knew I wanted to do a grad degree to pursue, I guess, the academic side of things a little bit more. And so once I finished my degree, my focus was to get as much experience as possible so that I could, I guess, have a better chance at funding and getting into the schools that I wanted to get into. Sure. I think a lot of people don't realize sometimes you have to apply a couple of years in a row. I did not because I didn't feel ready up until I, I waited three years and I didn't feel like I was prepared. In that three years, I wanted to kind of develop my own direction before going in and starting a new kind of body of work. I didn't want it to be purely professor-oriented work that I was applying with. And, you know, I wanted to go in with my own voice. So I applied to five schools, and I uh, got into half of them, and NASCAD won out. It was a great program. I got a really good feeling from it. Yeah, and I, I they provide teaching opportunities. It was a little bit less competitive than in some of the other schools in terms of Having to fight for those opportunities, they kind of, they were very focused on making the work and being in the studio, and I really like that vibe, so, plus Nova Scotia. I'd never been, I'd never been to the the East Coast ever in my life, and so I went there completely blind. It was kind of exciting idea to me. So, you said that you wanted to go with your own voice. What was that voice? What was that voice? It's hard to describe your own voice. I guess I wanted to establish my own ideas, and I, I feel like I did est- establish that with my undergraduate work. I started on the path that I basically continued again. Like, I kind of paused from it, actually, my, my undergraduate 
BFA show was about our kind of relationship with technology right. and its effects on us physiologically and socially. I kind of took a pause from that after and started doing more environmental work, work about animals, an illustrative style. And it was, but I knew I always wanted to go back to that initial body of work and it was kind of rooted in some theory and rooted in sociology more than anything, which is, yeah, which was why I wanted to go back to school. So I pursued that more when I was in my MFA and, sure, but in terms of, yeah, I developed my own voice, more of a, a almost a visual sort of direction that I wanted to go in and developing that kind of experience and going in knowing that I could do it on my own and strike it out on my own rather than relying always on. It's really great to have the feedback of professors, but it's really great. I think you can get more out of them if you're going into it knowing what you want first. But also getting a chance to get a different type of feedback and from oh, absolutely. the public. Yeah. How did you find that your work developed in that transition period too then when you were showing more in commercial galleries or smaller artist-run centers? I felt that it was it was great. Like I was really excited about the work I was making, but at the same time I was worried I was going to fall into there's there's a rut that kind of can happen with commercial work where you realize that one thing sells really well and then you kind of get the pressure to keep doing it. And I knew that I had this other body of work that I really wanted and these ideas I really wanted to pursue and they aren't necessarily commercially viable. And so school was a really good opportunity to go and and test out those ideas sure. in a in a a venue where you know you're not financially reliant on on that and it's not you're not worried about the the public reviews I mean I do believe that I want to be accessible to the public that's something that's always been important to me is that my work resonate with people because I just I don't see the point in what I do as existing if people can't glean something from it and if you can just then for a moment we had Maya Stark on a few weeks ago who talked about the process at the U of S and it was a very studio-based practice there, and Jay White was on last week to talk about how he was sort of moving his practice outside the studio. But take us through a bit of what the MFA process at NASCAD is like and the ability to build a body of work or to spend time developing that voice there. It was about 50-50 theory and um, studio-based practice, which was kind of exactly what I wanted. Although there, there's always this war, I, I find. Like some schools, people are like, don't go to that school. All you do is write papers. And some people are like, don't go to that school because there's no theoretical basis. NASCAD is a good meeting ground between those two. But I found that my studio professors always wanted me to be more in the studio. And your theory professors want you to be more into theory. So it's a, you kind of just have to find your own path and justify it for yourself. But yeah, it was a, very, it was a, a heavy studio-based practice with oh, actually a lot of theory. It was, it was everything. Okay. Um, yeah. And something where you have it somewhat separated then too, where you have other studio or theory, but not necessarily. And yeah, the, the two were not married at all. Because and I, I think that also is a product of printmaking in and of itself. Printmakers are rooted in being in the studio and doing it with your hands and feeling it out. And theory is very based on you have to analyze it first. You have to know where you're coming from and you want to you know, be able to have an engagement with the history of this idea or what's happening in, with it in contemporary art. And I find trying to strike a balance between all those things really, really exciting. I was looking some of your illustrations and some of your printmaking, they're quite stunning. What struck me the most is just the, the difference and the conflicting imagery that you have in them. Do you want to talk a little bit about where did you get your inspiration and, and, and why you choose the subject matter? Depends which... I mean, conflicting how? Conflicting in some are sweet, soft, and there are others that have blood and, and, and things like that. Red colors, explosive. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I think I always like to have a sense of humor in my work, and I like to convey that humor, but a, a lot of my subject matter is serious, and some of it, I, I guess, is dark. Um, I had one guy tell me once at a at a craft sale that I was, you're real weird, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I guess maybe I am, but I, my preoccupations are t- do tend to be with serious subject matter, but trying to present it in a way that isn't off-putting or necessarily something that's still accessible and can be yeah, read by want, the public. I, yeah, because I feel like if I have an idea, generally the ideas that I, I engage with affect everybody, like the environmental issues when I was dealing with stuff with animals, and uh, my body work at NASCAD was about how science constructs the body and sort of the future of biohacking, this very popular sort of new movement that's happening. And I was really interested in engaging with that in a physical way. But you can get very mired in theory with that, and it can get very heavy and very dark. And I, I like to look at things with a little bit of a black humor, I guess. And I think it, it, it shows, it, 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 it to me looks a little bit esoteric as well. Yeah. It has some very archetypical and quite in front of you. There's no there's no way to get away from, from your images. They're there, and you need to just sit and, and look at them and, and feel them. And they're quite powerful. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I I was in really interested between I, between my undergrad and my grad. I got really interested in the use of symbols and symbolism and kind of universal archetypes. Yeah, and uh, how those can be used to tell a story. Because I I've always kind of been rooted in, in narrative work and the idea of a narrative as a way to engage a viewer and bring them in. I'm I I had to kind of learn in grad school. I. Th- think it was good for me to pull away from that slightly and not control the story as much let people reflect and bring their own experience to the work and that is something that I, I feel like I learned in grad school okay. but then yeah it's how do you carry that narrative forward you had a an exhibition with Iris Hauser at the Mendel Art Gallery how how was that mentorship relationship work for you it's really great, actually. I just went down. She has a, just had an opening. She has a show down in, in Regina. I was just down there. If you want to see a painting of me, I'm in, in the show at the uh, Regina Art Gallery. And if I'm not mistaken, that's even one of the media images for that show as well. Is it really? I believe oh, so, because I've seen it. So <laughs> It's a lovely painting, um, but it's, yeah, being subject of a painting, it's like looking in a mirror, but not. Like it's somebody else's translation of you. It's really interesting to, to look at. But anyway... Yeah, no, I was I was in the Carfac mentorship program with Iris. It was a really great experience. People kind of thought it was a strange pairing because it was a printmaker with a painter, but because I work representationally and she's a really great drafts person, it was good training for that and also to focus my applications for grad school as well and work on the writing end of things, the professional development end of things. So for anybody out there, that's a really great program to apply for. They'll pair you up with an artist or if there's someone you want to work with, you can approach them and uh, and approach as a group. But it was a nice opportunity for you at that still emerging point in your career to mm-hmm. start to build that in between schools, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. It was a really, it was a nice stopgap between undergrad and grad to kind of get in a sense of what it means to be a professional artist because you also meet as a group with people across the province and you can kind of see the different places you could end up and it's not all one specific thing. Like, I find that school prepared you the job that you could get when you were done was teaching and that was kind of the only option you were given which wasn't really what I went there for I did teach and I really loved it but it wasn't what I initially was intending on pursuing when I was done so sure and let's talk a bit more about what your transition has been like 
since coming back, but this might be a good place to stop and remind our listeners that we are in the middle of F-emphasis here on CFCR. It's emphasis time. Hey. It's the best time of the year, you guys. We are actually quite fortunate in that, Kate, you have your own show on CFCR and you might be able to help us out a little bit here with our F-emphasis mm-hmm. reminders. Yes. So... A reminder again, starting at $10, you can get a tax receipt. And starting at $25... And a magnet. And a magnet, yes. Yeah. And $25, you can start to get into those prize draws. Kate, do you... The $25 number one grand prize draw is an $800 shopping spree at Doug's Spoken Sport. And you also, in addition to getting entered into the grand prize draw, you will also get a gift card. Usually, I think it's about $10. Bucks. Right. So really, you're getting... The chance to win $800 worth of bike stuff, which is awesome, and a gift card or a tax receipt. Yes. And then as we go up on that, at $75, you get an off-the-charts F-Emphasis t-shirt, as well as entry into grand prize draws one and two. Number two is a SurfTech Balboa paddleboard, valued at $1,200, I do believe. I got this stuff memorized. I know. Kate is doing this without a script. That's how dedicated she is. (laughs) Grand prize draw number three is at the $150 level, where you would also get the t-shirt as well as a five-panel hat. Very nice looking hat. Yeah, they're sweet hats. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All the gear that you get with emphasis emphasis is really very nice. And the shirts are very comfortable. Yeah. Tried it all in a way. Yes. And then at the $250 level, you get entered into all four grand prize draws, including that painting by Hugo Alvarado, valued at $5,300. Yeah. So really, you can't lose. Plus, you're going to get either your tax receipt or the other prizes. And it's not just gift cards you can get. There's also sweet swag in the other room next next door That's up right. here at, at, at World Headquarters. And most importantly, you will be supporting your community radio and for us to sustain this program. Yeah, absolutely. So phone in, let people know, pledge to the show because uh, this is a good thing. And community radio is a good thing. Yes. Supporting the arts is a good thing. And again, that number to phone in is 664-6678. Or you can go online to cfcr.ca and fill out your donation form there. And remember, on Frame Radio. Right. Moving back to the discussion we were starting before our little F emphasis break, Kate, when you moved back now, it's been a year now, close to a year since you moved back? Yeah, it's been about a year since I got back, yeah. So what has that transition been like moving back and why was that always in your mind to move back when you went to grad school? It was. I knew I I was going to come back. I'm pretty rooted in this city. This is home. This is home. I love Nova Scotia. I miss Nova Scotia, but it never felt like permanent home to me my family is here yeah and I just feel like the art scene here has been really supportive of me over the years and I feel like I have roots here that I can could work with so yeah that's why I decided to, to come back and as well like larger cities Nova Scotia is very quiet it's it's actually a very similar feel to here but there's not a lot of job opportunities out there um, and I had a job opportunity to come back to here and so it, it all kind of worked out that way sure yeah so you have several experiences in talking about work that relate somehow to the arts uh, as you mentioned you've been teaching you've been also doing community radio you also have done some 
screen printing, teaching, and, and also you have uh, make posters for films mm -hmm. and also album art. Do you want to talk to us about a little bit how did you move and, and maneuver in all those different things? You also do t-shirts and prints for t-shirts and things like that. Yeah, I, I haven't done too much t-shirt printing. I'd actually like to get into it a little bit more. And it's one of those things that I'm like kind of toying with right now. But I do a lot of design work freelance, which has always been actually a really important part of my practice and has driven my practice just as much as the academic stuff. I think that when it comes to doing illustration, my work is very illustrative naturally. I want to tell a story and I want to be able to communicate really well and design and illustration are rooted in clear communication of ideas and the clear transmission of ideas. And so it has allowed me to hone that end of my work, you know, to sharpen that skill in a way that the academic side of things at school People, I think ac academia tends towards the more muddied. Sure. You know, not muddied necessarily, but there's so many layers to it, and it's it, the meaning sometimes becomes lost in a way that could be clear to the audience. But there's also a large consideration of the audience when you're talking about design work that isn't mm -hmm. always there in a solo art practice either. That's true, yeah. You're not always looking to speak to a wide audience when you're in your studio by yourself. It, it's hard to get in touch with that audience, where, whereas with dealing with clients and dealing with poster work or logo design, you you know if it worked or not pretty well. Like you, you're aware of whether or not that poster was successful. You know, either the client lets you know or somebody says, oh, I really like the poster you designed. Like you get more of that feedback, which I really like to, to have that rather than being the artist at the opening and that's the only time you ever get any feedback on your work. And then you go back to your studio and you're kind of like, you know, you're like, I don't know, did that work? And, and yeah. yeah. There's it's good to be able to broach a conversation with the public. Sure, and there's this consideration and dialogue that goes on during the process that hopefully goes on during an art process with critiques and other, you know. Yeah, and methods, which is why the academic scene or the academic environment is great because you do have that, that conversation with your professors and with your peers, and that's why grad school was amazing because I had a really great cohort of other MFAs to talk to who give me, you know, they'd let you know if it wasn't working and they'd let you know, oh, this artist kind of is working in this vein and you kind of get a lot of input from a lot of different places. You see how they're working and what their process is and it can be totally different. And it's nice to know that, you know, you can all work completely differently and have things work out in the end the same and help each other out, so. So would you consider yourself still an emerging artist or an in-between artist or what stage are you in your career? Oh, that's such a loaded question. It's so hard. It's so hard to answer that. Where do you sit, especially when you're done school? I mean, according to the, after you've graduated you're, within three years, I'm still an emerging artist. Um, according to the line of you've turned 30, you flipped the card to 30. You're not an emerging artist anymore. It just depends on what you look at. I still feel like I'm an emerging artist because my practice did change when I was at, at grad school. And so now post-grad school, I've got to figure out my direction and where I'm going with and how to take that practice into a professional career. Yeah, it, it's, it's a hard question to answer. I don't know where I sit. Somebody tell me. Well, it, it is it is one of those questions that I I believe it is mostly it's where you feel. Uh, mm -hmm. Nobody can say if you're emerging or not. Just 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 you. I I, I feel. And yeah, and those those classifications are a product of funding structures yes. as well. And it depends on what their designation is. Really, it's every opportunity is slightly different. But I mean, I know artists who are 10 years post masters who show nationally and still consider themselves emerging artists because in order to get grants it's 
It's about playing the system, right? It's right. a little and bit. And so there's also that question of to what extent do you need to know that or in what to what extent is it situational? You know, within a when you're working with I, Iris and you're the mentee, you're probably the emerging artist. But Absolutely, yeah. In other situations where I'm thinking of like an ink slab situation where you're helping people to learn printmaking processes, you're sort of on you're, the other you side. You become the teacher, yeah. So does it, is it about being a teacher? Is it about being taught? Like I feel like you're always learning and at the same time I've been, you know, instructing in printmaking and arts for several years now so it's it's i don't i have no idea what the answer <laughs> to that question is I, I have another question just to change that uh, that subject that's a subject for a very long program yeah we so, could talk about that for for a long time yeah. <laughs> and not come to any conclusions i Abs think absolutely probably we need to invite the carfac people yes. and, and the grants people here arts board and what's not to just give us a little yeah. bit more information about that that would be an interesting program to have but i wanted to ask you as well about your research that you're working on on the current project what are the directions of kate <laughs> the directions of Kate. Oh dear. I have a lot of directions, unfortunately, that I kind of want to go in and I, I still want to keep screen printing. I'm in the process of, I just got a studio rebuilt after moving. It's, that's the one thing about being a printmaker is that when you move and then you move again and then you move again, you kind of have to keep rebuilding your studio. But yeah, I want to keep working on the body of work I, was, I did for my MFA, which was called the Fabric of the Future Body. And it was dealing with our relationship to the history of science and how we perceive ourselves and where that's taking us and sort of the mind-body split that is more and more prevalent as time goes on. And I wanted to explore that through a, a medium that is very hands-on and tactile, which is printmaking. Um, I also, I had a, a show this spring at Void Gallery with Maya Stark, who you guys would have heard a couple weeks ago. And that was more of a rooted in illustration and the idea of storytelling and going back to ideas of environmentalism, which I'm still very interested in. I want to pursue those body, those ideas as well. So I don't feel like any body of work I've ever worked on is finished. I just want to keep working on the ideas and keep fleshing them out until uh, the end. So, well, there is no end, I don't think. How do, how do you balance your commercial work with your artistic work? I think they feed in, they've always fed into each other. I'll get requests for commercial illustrations and either people will have seen a print that I did and they're like, oh, I kind of want it in the style. And I'm like, okay, and I'll work on that. Or they'll request something completely insane that I've never would have drawn on my own. And that I, I tend to approach illustration contracts in the way I would approach a piece where I do actually a lot of research into it and into the context. Even if it's just, it's an album cover or it's a t-shirt, I, I want to get the sense of it right. And so all of that research sometimes feeds into a new piece that and inspires me to do something that I never would have thought of doing. It's almost like getting assignments in school, except for it's more self-directed. And it gives you a starting point to sort mm -hmm. of push and see where it moves from there. And the other thing is also, it, I find that, that doing the commercial work, because it's not necessarily, I don't take that and print it myself. It could be any medium. So it, it kind of forces me to use whatever tool, because mediums are like tools. You know, the broader, the more tools you have, the, the better I think you can complete the job. So if I need to bring in painting, I can bring in painting. If I need to do some woodblock to finish that, I can do woodblock. You know, I can bring in other things for almost in a, a freer way than, say, setting out to do a show that's screen prints. And then you're kind of like, oh, this show is screen prints. It would look weird if I was to switch to a painting for this idea. 
Right. And so it's more about starting with that idea or the theme or what you're trying to communicate and then figuring mm-hmm. out the best, the best way. way to communicate that. It's about communication, I guess. Going back to the earlier comment is that it's about how to communicate that idea. And then I can take what I learned about communicating that idea with that medium or that bit of research and apply it to my own work. And so they feed back and forth, I think, very fluidly. Like there is a line there, but the barrier is permeable. Great. I think it's time for us to stop one last time and mention F-Emphasis once more. <laughs> it is, again, we're into F-Emphasis until October 2nd, which is, well, tomorrow. And it will end with a nice concert at Amigos, mm-hmm. a really nice wrap-up concert. But please do, again, consider making your donations to CFCR in our name, Unframed. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, we really do rely on your donations to support and continue these programs and they wouldn't continue without your support. Tax receipts will start at the $10 level and you'll also get a very nice magnet. $25 gets you into the first grand prize draw. $75 you start to get the swag. You get a t-shirt at $75 or an off the charts five panel hat at $150. Finally at the $250 level you get entered into all four grand prize draws as well as getting the previous items mentioned. Mm-hmm. Right, but yeah, do do donate. It's it's actually pretty awesome when you can see the prizes you can get. Like a lot of businesses are very generous. They donate really sweet gift cards and really sweet items from their stores. It's actually really great. I don't know where else you could possibly donate and get so much stuff. Like get fifty percent of your your donation back automatically in stuff. Didn't you make one of the posters for CFCR? Yeah, I did the two thousand eleven one. Yes, I yeah. did. <laughs> It's really true when you start to look through as we've had the chance, the sheer volume of gift certificates that are open. It's quite a great selection of local businesses. So mm-hmm. On that note, I think <laughs> we have note. just a couple of minutes left here to finish up with you, Kate. Okay. Um, maybe it would be nice to talk a bit about then <clears throat> about different themes that have run through your work from environmentalism to sort of the narratives that build out of fairy tales and other stories. Uh, that's some, certainly something that I would say is present in your work is this idea of narrative and this idea of allowing the audience to build from and learn from your work. So when you're talking about environmentalism, then like where is it that that has really drawn your attention and why do you see that need to sort of make that f- a focus of your prints as it was? Now, dealing with the, the natural world is has always been interesting to me. And I think I, I realized when I was thinking about it earlier, a lot of my work is is science fiction and I'm interested I guess in the suppression of science that has been going on in this country for the last few years in relationship to environmentalism I'm very concerned by it and I want to find a way to critique that that isn't off-putting or divisive and I think that narrative and storytelling can do that in a way that that people won't get super reactionary but will become aware so I, I, I would hope that I could some way communicate communicate in that way have you been approached to illustrate a book? I, I have had a few people approach me, but there's never been any follow-up. Yeah, I, I, w- I would do it. Oh, yeah. Good. So, yeah. you know, if you need to illustrate one of those amazing books, just uh, uh, contact Kate Francis. Uh, do you have your website and your, and your email? Uh, yes, for sure. Uh, my website is www.katebit.com. So that's K number eight, B-I-T. My email is katebitprints at gmail.com. And yeah, I can be found there. I can be found on social media. And I will work on trying to update that more regularly. I'm very, very sorry to everybody 
who's recently let me know that it's hard to find my email address on the internet. But we have it here now. And well, thank you again, Kate, for joining us here on Unframed Radio. And oh, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to have you here. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. You have been listening to Unframed Radio on CFCR 90.5 FM in Saskatoon and around the world at cfcr.ca. Again, we are an F emphasis, so please do consider making a donation by calling 664-6678 or going to our website at cfcr.ca. Thank you in advance for your donation and good evening.